and welcome back to the One Goal U.S. Soccer Podcast. We got big news today. We have Weston McKinney joining goddamn Juventus. I'm very excited about that. We have Yuli Lainez, Alex Mendez, Richie Ledesma, all getting preseason playing time. MLS is back in the home markets. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Also, check out our interview last week with Andrew Carlton of Indy 11. And let's start here. George, I know you're feeling good about the McKinney move, but how are we doing otherwise? Wait, waking up, that just made my day better. So I'm doing absolutely wonderful today. Awesome, man. I'm doing great as well. Yesterday, I did celebrate my 22nd birthday, and it was a nice birthday, but, you know, it was even better to hear the McKinney news today. Very exciting times for Americans. We've got Americans really pushing it at a lot of top clubs. I know we have Pulisic at Chelsea, Dest at Ajax, Reyna at Dortmund. We got Ledesma breaking into PSV, Tim Weah back at Lille. Wolfsburg and now possibly Juventus and before you know we wrap it all up and say it's official I would like to say for McKinney's case that at the time of recording it hasn't yet to be announced by both clubs but Fabrizio Romano and other reports have said that it'll be a loan for about 3 million euros and then with 18 million euro option to purchase next season so let's start there George give me your thoughts on how this move will work out for McKinney and Juventus. First off I think we can all say we didn't see this coming the teams that were in for McKinney it was Hertha Berlin maybe Southampton, maybe Everton, all these, you know, mid-table teams in their respective leagues. And then, boom, I wake up, and suddenly Wes McKinney's going to Juventus, who've won the Serie A since I was literally in diapers, apparently. So it's it's incredible that Wes McKinney could be playing for what many consider a Weston McKinney moving to a top 10, maybe even top 5 club in the world. So honestly, it's... I woke up a little speechless today, so I think it'll be interesting to see how he gets on. I definitely do think there is a pathway to minutes for Weston McKinney. It's not necessarily going to be easy, but right now the Juventus midfield is kind of in a reload phase. There's a lot of people leaving, and so far, along with Arthur, Weston McKinney would be the only people coming in, so he definitely would have a shot at playing. Yeah, definitely. Just to add to that, the depth chart for Juventus, like you said, there's Arthur, there's uh, Betancourt as well, Rabio, uh, Ramsey, Kadira, and then McKinney. And I think, you know, we're talking about who he would slot in for. I think Kadira is really interesting. There's been a lot of talk with him being kind of the odd man out and moving on. Like I said, he's 33. So kind of reaching the back end of his, his career. And like you said, there's not a lot of overt competition for McKinney. Obviously, he's not going to just walk into the Juventus side tomorrow. But I'm really encouraged by the fact that he'll be joining kind of a new squad with a new coach. And the fact that really Andrea Pirlo values Weston McKinney, whether or not he was firsthand involved in the signing, the fact that he's on his team and he's someone that they've allocated money towards just is very encouraging for me. And I think that there's definitely, like you said, a real chance for McKinney to get playing time, talk about playing time, whether that's domestic matches, because Juventus is always, you know, dominating the league. And you talk about the Copa Italia, there's an option there as well. And then Champions League matches, like what more could you ask for? And I think it's just really exciting to say we have another American pushing the envelope at one of, like you said, one of the best clubs in the world. So I can't say enough about it. It's very exciting. And, you know, another thing we mentioned last week, we mentioned the October, November camps. So I think one thing we can talk about uh, that also kind of brings in McKinney is kind of looking at the players who are stock or turning in the right direction for a call in either October, November, or just in general. So let's start there. All right, George. So looking at October, you know, who are two guys maybe you're looking at that could either push the envelope for a call or just turning in the right direction towards maybe getting a call in the future? So when we look at these camps, we're going to assume October is going to be domestic. So MLS guys, maybe some Liga MX, and then November is going to be European guys. The first guy I have for October in terms of my MLS players is Justin Glad. And I think Justin Glad has been one of the most unlucky people 
in all of MLS. He has been called up to the past three January cams, 2018, 2019, and 2020, but is still yet to make his first appearance for the U.S. national team. This is a guy who's been a starting in MLS since he was 18 years old. He's 23 now. So he has five years of MLS experience. Yet you see guys come in like Mark McKenzie and immediately take the spotlight away from him. Mark McKenzie gets his first cap this January. So I think Justin Glad is very overlooked. Yes, he's getting into these camps, but three times now and he hasn't been able to play. So it looks as though if the trend continues, he'll get the October camp call up. And I'm really excited to see him play his first game for the full national team. He's played at every youth level, U17, U20. He's going to probably be a big member of the U23s. So I'm just ready for him to get his first shot with the full national team. No, I guess that's a pretty good shot. One thing to add is we don't know for sure right now if there's going to be a game played in October. Maybe it's just the camp. But like you said, if it's just the camp, there's no reason not to include him. But in terms of his overall national team prospects, I mean, I'm a little more pessimistic. I think he's he's solid. You know, he's one of those guys who's a solid MLS defender. But you look at a guy like McKenzie, who's a little bit more athletic, can offer more passing. I think Justin Glad is is fine. You know, you bring him in for a domestic camp. But I don't know if I see anything more than that. Do you see him as more than that? Or that's kind of where it's at? I'm not saying Justin Glad deserves to be starting a World Cup qualifier. I do... I, what I will say is I rate Justin Glad. I think he's been a solid defender in this league for many years. And what we've seen with MLS is that that gets rewarded with a cap. So far, he's only been rewarded with January camp call-ups. He's never been called up outside of January camp. And you can't really say he hasn't necessarily justified it because he's played at a solid level. I think the thing where some coaches might have a problem is his frame and his athleticism. I do think he's actually pretty fast. He does well catching up with attackers, but he's 6'1 and probably sub 180 pounds. Whereas someone like Mark McKenzie, who's probably around the 5'11", 6-foot range, is very strong for his height, very fast for you know his weight. So I think that definitely inhibits Justin Glad, and maybe that's why he won't necessarily be a top-four center back in the pool. But I think overall, he's someone who I just feel respect-wise, deserves a lot more in terms of his prospects with the national team. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Would you say he's probably around like the Matt Miazga range in terms of like the guys who are good, maybe you get a call-up, but they're not going to separate themselves into the upper tier? See, I actually think Matt Miazga could separate himself into the upper tier. He's six foot four. He's a big guy. Obviously, we aren't talking about Matt Miazga right now, but I think Matt Miazga is part of those top four center backs for the national team pool right now. Yeah. I mean, I, I might agree with you. I think he's been a pretty good player. I would like to see him, you know, make the step up to the next level. And if he does that and succeeds, of course, I'll put him in the conversation. But one of the things I've tried to understand and trying to deal with, which I guess we can get in the conversation now, is like the center back tiers. Because there's a lot of guys who are like solid. And then there's a few guys who are like really good. You know what I mean? So there's the Cameron Carter Vickers who are just decent guys who you want to bring them in. They're good depth options. But if you had to start them in a World Cup qualifier tomorrow, you're, you're not you're necessarily comfortable or not comfortable. You're kind of like, all right, well, we'll see what we have here. So I think maybe Miyazu could elevate himself into a guy I'm more comfortable than Carter Vickers. But at the same time, I'm not willing to put him in the John Brooks conversation. I'm not willing to. Get him up there with Aaron Long, who actually, just to speak on Aaron Long quickly, hasn't been great so far in the MLS, so I'm not sure where he ranks among all of this. But like you said, the center back position's kind of all over the place, and I don't know, there's just a lot to break down there. Maybe in a future podcast we can look at that and break that all down. But hearkening back to October camps, like you said, it'll probably be a domestic base camp. 
And like you said, the center back position is definitely the second center back position is something we're looking at to try to figure out. But one thing I'm really curious about, you talk about our left back position. We've mentioned a lot of Anthony Robinson in the past. And, you know, there's Sam Vines, there's Chase Gaspar. And those guys are both very solid players. I'd like to see them both come in in October. But, you know, there are some other left-back prospects I think are really interesting. George Bellow has done decent showing with Atlanta United. And I think about in terms of his tactical fit with the Greg Berhalter system. You saw him, I believe it was the MLS back tournament, where he was almost playing as a left winger. And so he was so far pushed up. And I think that's a really interesting fit where I'm not saying he's ready for the national team, but in terms of, oh, let's get a look at these players in the pool and see how they fit in the system. He's a player where I look at his prospects and his age. And again, the ability to move up on the left flank and be an attacking minded partner in the future with someone like Serginho Dest. I think he's a natural fit at that position. So he's someone I'd like to see just to get a look at, you know, the same way that Cameron Harper was brought in as like a training body to play with the U.S. national team. And I believe Brian Ko is like that as well. So I'm not sure if FIFA will allow that. But I think if you're allowed to bring in a couple extra players for like training purposes, he's someone I'd be looking at. What do you think about that? I think we've mentioned it so many times. Left back is the position on the U.S. national team where if you play a couple good games at left back, you have a good chance of being called in. Chase Gaspar has been a name we've loved for the past couple of podcasts. I think right now he looks like a lock for that October camp. And who knows? Maybe George Bellow does get called in. So I definitely think any left back in MLS who does well has a shot. So George Bellow, like you said, is definitely a name. I think another name in that category, maybe John Nelson from FC Dallas, former U-17 national team member, good friends of Pulisic. He started a couple games now for FC Dallas since they've been back. Maybe he joins the conversation. So I think, like we said, left back is just one of those positions where begging people to break in. Literally, if you play a couple games, please show us you deserve to start for the national team. So I think anybody who's even in the conversation for the left back pool should at least get a chance to get called up right now. Yeah. And just to add to that, I think that's kind of the beauty of the October camp and even having two separate camps. It really gives Greg Berhalter the option of saying, okay, I can evaluate what we have at home and then I can also evaluate what we have in Europe. So I think, but this idea of just trying things out, you know, and keeping it loose and seeing what we have the entire pool, because it really is a rare opportunity to have almost two different teams in a sense to look at the entire pool and to have that so close to World Cup qualifiers is a really good opportunity for Greg Berhalter in the U.S. So I guess I'll go with my second player who I think is really interesting. And another position we talk about where there's not a lot of depth is the goalie position. And obviously we have Zach Steffen who's at Manchester City and people have been worried about playing time for him. And I'm just going to pencil him as the number one for now until something changes. We can discuss that later. But one of the number two options everyone always says is Brad Buzon. You know, there's Sean Johnson, there's Bill Hamid, and none of those guys have really done anything to separate themselves into the conversation. But I think of someone who arguably is the best goalkeeper right now in the MLS is Matt Turner, the New England Revolution. And just to add to things about Matt Turner, he also just recently got a Lithuanian passport, so he could be on the move soon. I've heard stories that maybe he could be getting interest from top 10 leagues in Europe. And I think when you talk about the goalie position with the U.S., Brad Guzan, we know what he is. He's in his late 30s now, obviously past his prime, back in the MLS. Matt Turner's a young up-and-coming keeper, so I think he's someone we should definitely consider for that possible October camp. I don't know how you feel about him, but I think it's hard to argue that he shouldn't be in the camp at all. Matt Turner, once again, I think he's another one who almost seems like a shoo-in for this camp. Like He's one of those people who the camp was made for him. We saw him in January. He got called up, didn't get to play a game. But since then, Matt Turner has not done anything in the past 
eight or so months that has taken his stock down. It's only been up. MLS is back. He had a couple great saves. He has a penchant for making key last-minute stops, which shows that he's a goalkeeper who's locked in 90 minutes, which is absolutely huge. As any coach, especially a national team coach, when you see a player who might not necessarily be experienced, you want to see that their mentality is there. And the way Matt Turner consistently makes saves in the 90th minute shows that he has the right mentality. And I think that comes from the fact that he shouldn't be in this position. He didn't get drafted, didn't get called to the MLS combine, wasn't expecting to go to the MLS, and he gets a call last minute to train the England Revolution, is their third goalie for a year, becomes their starter, and look where he is now. So I think Matt Turner's character, Matt Turner's story, uh, once I went to... New England Revolution for a class trip, got to speak with them. He's just such a locked-in individual. And I think as a goalie, that is exactly what coaches want to see. So for me, Matt Turner, like you said, is definitely a call-up for October. And he's someone who so far only seems to be on the up. Yeah, definitely. Is there any other players you're looking at? I know we've talked before in the past about guys like Daryl DK and other young players like that. I think DK is actually really interesting because he's Nigerian-American, so he's actually a dual national. His father played for the Nigerian national team. I believe his sister also plays for the Nigerian women's national team. So, I mean, DK, I think is pretty interesting. I mean, he hasn't shown a bunch in the MLS, but you talk about the forward position for the U.S. Maybe someone like a Ricardo Pepe, who, again, hasn't shown a bunch in the MLS, but is definitely a talent, another dual national. So then you guys, including those two or others that you're looking at and saying we could possibly bring them in for a look? I think when we talk about DK, I also just think about the generation Adidas class in general from this past year. Every January camp, there's always that one or two rookies that had a decent year. You look at someone like Corey Baird when he came into the camp. Guys who put together a decent year their first year, and then they just throw them into the camp. So this time it's a little earlier, October instead of January. But while someone like Jack Mayer, who is a number two pick, hasn't gone the field for Nashville yet, I look at a guy like Daryl DK, made his first start, got his first goal. Robbie Robinson was an early starter for into Miami, but unfortunately had to leave MLS is back for personal reasons and is just starting to get back to them now. And then the big one for me, who I think is very under the radar, is Henry Kessler from New England Revolution. I mentioned him a little bit in one of our first podcasts, but Bruce Arena has has put him back into the lineup and he stuck with him and he even earned MLS Team of the Week this past week. So Henry Kessler is an up-and-coming defender right now. I think what makes him so interesting is he has that lanky body, not quite Peter Crouch, but he's shown himself to be an adept passer, not just with his right foot, but his left foot. The same way we see Mark McKenzie making cross-field passes with his left foot, we can expect to see the same from Henry Kessler. So I think he might be someone who maybe sneaks into that October camp, if not October, if he has a good rest of the season, maybe January. But I'd say definitely keep an eye on him. Yeah, no, that's actually a pretty good shot. You talk about the Greg Berhalter system and this idea of ball playing center backs. And Kessler's one of those players we can get in that conversation. October and January is the perfect time, I think, to just check out and see what he has. All right, so let's transition here to November. Obviously, this is going to be an all-European camp. So it'll be a little bit different here. Uh, in terms of guys you're looking at, who who's the first guy that comes to your mind as someone that might get a call? For me, I think of this European camp in two ways. So that's how I'm going to break out kind of my two names, but less two names and two pods of people. The first pod I have are the forgotten guys, guys who haven't been in the national team picture for a while. So I think of someone like Andrija Novakovic, who had 
a great season in Sarah B was so close to making it to Sarah A with five goals and eight assists through the season. We haven't seen him in the national team picture since 2018. So he's someone who I hope can maybe get a chance. He has a very different body than a lot of our striking options. He's six foot four. He's a good hold up striker. He likes to flick balls in. So maybe if Greg Berhalter wants to play a system where it's two forwards and you have someone like maybe Zardes who has a good amount of pace on him running off Novakovic, that would be successful. And then another guy kind of in that same category who Novakovic actually made his debut coming in for is Bobby Wood. We love Bobby Wood. He scored those goals against Germany and Netherlands, had a good couple games, and then it almost seemed like U.S. soccer fans turned on him. And then as soon as U.S. soccer fans turned on him, Hamburg turned on him. And then all of a sudden, Bobby Wood was nowhere to be found. He wasn't playing. But he's actually played Hamburg's preseason friendly game. So maybe he's back on the up. So Bobby Wood starts playing the first couple games of the season. I think he's back in that November camp. He's back to make his name the U.S. national team picture. And I think I'd love to see that. Yeah, no, I actually agree. I know Bobby Wood, he's had some struggles, whether that be his contract and possibly coming to the MLS and then getting frozen out with this team. But like you said, he's playing in the preseason friendlies, and that's his first game action, I think, in over two years. So just to seeing him playing is a good thing, let alone possibly playing to get in contention for a U.S. camp. And just to steal one of the people from your list, I think someone we can definitely count on being there will be Sebastian Soto. Uh, he's a pretty obvious candidate, one, because he's in Europe, to, and two, because, you know, you talk about his move to Norwich and one of the holdups that he's getting a possible loan uh, is because he doesn't have the UK work permit. So I think when I was reading an article about him, they mentioned how Soto needs to be called into these national team camps, if he can be, to help get in that UK work permit. So if there's a game to be played, which it looks like there will be, I think Soto is someone we can expect to see there as well. And then for me, the two people I'm really interested in, I'll first start with Nick Tadagui who is someone that I don't know many USMNT fans know about. He's playing for Schalke, and he's had his fair share of injury history in the last couple of years. But Schalke rewarded him with a new contract last year. And, you know, they have the, their own troubles with scoring goals, and he's played in their preseason games. He's finally healthy now. And the fact that Schalke values him and the fact that he's finally healthy, to me, says, let's bring him in. Let's give him a look. If he's playing for a team in Germany, you know, there's a lot of guys like you mentioned, Wood and Novakovic, who are kind of playing but not – consistently you know and if Tadagui can play consistently and show that he's healthy there's no reason for me why we wouldn't bring him in for a look so what do you think about him as a possible option I think Nick Tadagui is one of those people who he's almost like a myth for years on years we have said when is Nick Tadagui gonna ditch his injury troubles and become the player we thought he was gonna be and I actually kind of liken Nick Tadagui to Andrew Carlton in a little bit in the sense that if Schalke thought he was this guy who kept getting injured and had no hope, he would have been gone months, years ago. But the fact that even despite all these injury troubles where for months on end, he's on the rehab table, they still keep him. And now are integrating him to the first team showed just how talented he is, especially given the fact that he is an American. We saw someone like Zion Jones and Haji Wright, who were both at Schalke and didn't necessarily make it there. And Nick Tadagui has been there through the different age groups. And now he's going to look with the first team. So I definitely do think he's an interesting prospect. And I'm really excited to see what he does this season. Even if it's with the Schalke second team, maybe he can put together a full season where another team might move him and he plays, you know, in a top league again. So 
I'm just really excited from him. And if he does get that call up, I'm excited to see you as soccer fans, see him with his full potential. Yeah, I mean, just to add to that, I don't know if you saw, he had a nice little skill move for Schalke in their little preseason practice. And he's actually, I looked up this morning, he's on their roster for the first team. So, of course, he could play for the second team and move back down. But Schalke had a lot of trouble scoring goals last year. And I look at their attacking options. I mean, I, I can't imagine he doesn't get a little bit of playing time. So, if he's just getting playing time and he's healthy, why not bring him in? But another player I'm really looking at is this guy. He's from League Two. He's actually eligible for Jamaica and Italy as well. It's Nicholas Giocini. He's a striker playing for SM Ken. And he actually put together a really strong season last year. And he was one of those guys who was mentioned in the infamous March camp that didn't actually happen. And he was supposed to be brought in for his first cap at the national team. So he's someone I look at who probably will definitely be called in because, again, he was involved in the March camp. I think the beauty of these camps is that there's not necessarily anything on the line. When a World Cup qualifiers are coming on, I talked about this a little bit. If the World Cup qualifiers tomorrow, 90% of the guys we've named in this podcast today are not getting called up because they are not established. We don't know how they do under pressure. We don't know if we if we throw them away at Costa Rica, they're going to crumble. So I think why these camps are so valuable is we get a look at these players. If one of these guys comes in and absolutely kills it, then maybe they get put on the roster for the first World Cup qualifier. But like I've said, if you can't handle a November camp in Europe, let's just say we play Wales. If you can't handle Wales, you probably won't be able to handle rough, rugged CONCACAF qualifying. So I think it's great to get these guys into settings that are comfortable because it's the base test. If you can pass the comfortable setting, then we're going to throw you into the deep end. And the beautiful thing is we don't have to throw these guys into the deep end. We're going to get opportunities to see them beforehand. I think that's definitely a great point. I think you look at the camp and again, it's just an opportunity to try things. So who are some other guys you're looking at that maybe we could try out or even that could stick around for the possible qualifiers? I don't know if they're going to necessarily stick around for the qualifiers, but we've seen with Greg Berhalter, he likes to throw in some super young guys into the camps almost just for fun. We saw Brian Kao get called up. We saw Uli Lannis get called up two guys who hadn't made professional appearances outside of USL. So if we're looking at European-based guys who might be able to do the same, I'd look at someone like Cameron Harper or someone like Taylor Booth. In Cameron's Harp, Cameron Harper's case, he's actually trained with the national team before just as a practice player when he was with the U20. He already has some experience with them, and maybe Greg Baralter puts his name on the camp for good. He's been on the bench with Celtic. He's actually on the bench today for their Champions League qualifier. Maybe he gets in, maybe he doesn't. So he's someone who's definitely on the trend up and at only 18 will probably make his first team debut any day now. And then Taylor Booth is a guy who's been a national team picture since he was 13 years old. He was on that 2017 U17 World Cup team. He looks like he might be a part of this current U20 team. Bayern Munich are saying good things about him. His brother recently moved to Leicester. Apparently Tottenham was in for him. So Taylor Booth is still a guy who's firmly in the national team picture. So maybe Greg Barhalter just calls him in and gives Chris Richards a friend. Another guy who I think is definitely going to be on that November roster. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know about that Taylor Bouchard. Again, I think he's definitely a player, but he might be a little bit young. But if you if you're right, maybe Greg Berhalter feels like Chris Richards needs a friend, so he's he's talented in his own right. But I like that Cameron Harper shot, like you mentioned, making his possible debut today, and he's actually been trending with the Celtic first team for a while. So I think he's someone that you can almost shoe in for the camp. I don't know if he's going to beat out one of the older strikers, but if Greg Berhalter is looking to go with youth. He's definitely someone you could put in the names there. Um, someone else, I think, obviously, Richie Ledesma will for sure be called in. But being that he's a dual national and the fact that he played a little bit in PSV's friendly last week, he's just someone I'm excited to see. Another person I talk about, kind of forgotten names. He hasn't 100% been cleared from his injury. He's returning to full fitness already. He hasn't played yet in a match, but Tim Weah, let's not forget about him. He had his hamstring struggles during his first year with Lille. But again, he's close to 100%, if not 100% already. And, you know, we talk about the winger position. Guys like Yuli Lainez, who have been called in. Let's not forget about Tim Weah. He was a star at the U-20 World Cup. And I think in terms of his pace and technical ability, he offers something different than a lot of players in the pool. So, I don't know. You think, obviously, Tim Weah gets called in, right? If Tim Weah is healthy, Tim Weah gets called in. Tim Weah is someone who U.S. soccer fans have forgotten about in some sense because he hasn't played consistently in a year now. So, I think Tim Weah... First should probably get his club situation settled. And that might be something that keeps him out of the November camp. And I would agree with that. I think Tim Weah has to work on establishing himself with Lil before he thinks about his national team picture right now. Because I think if Tim Weah is playing consistently for Lil, he's going to get called in no matter what. He's not necessarily a guy who needs to prove himself. So I think the club situation with Tim Weah is most important. They brought in Jonathan David, and though we would love to see them on the field together, Jonathan David is a similar player to Tim Weah. He can play at the 10. He can play as a striker. He can play on the wing, just like Tim Weah. So when this big money move comes in, that's direct competition. So Tim Weah needs to make sure he stakes his claim at Lille. And if he goes away for the November camp and, God forbid, gets an injury, we're going to look back and say, why was he there? He doesn't need to prove himself to us. He needs to prove himself to Lil. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with Tim Weah. Yeah, no, definitely. That's a good point. I'm not sure if he's exact direct competition with Jonathan David. And actually, I really wish Jonathan David, born in New York City, could have played for the U.S. men's national team. But it happens, you know. And there's another player I'm looking at, Conrad De La Fuente. I know he's not necessarily in the national team picture. But, you know, he did make the bench for Barcelona against Napoli in the Champions League. And, you know, with the new coach and Ronald Koeman and this new kind of youth turnover at Barcelona, we've seen this morning that Messi's on his way out. And I'm not saying that Conrad De La Fuente is going to replace Messi tomorrow. But with a new coach and a kind of new wave at Barcelona, I think he's someone that eventually down the line, maybe not this year, maybe at the end of next year, pushes for first team minutes at Barcelona. And I think about, okay, here's another player we could bring in for a look, get him into the system, get him involved. He played up at the U20 World Cup. And he's shown for Barcelona that he's a legitimate player for them. Bring him in for a look. What's the worst that could happen? Yeah, I think definitely, like, he's one of those guys. He's also an 0-1 like Cameron Harper and Taylor Booth. So he falls into that same category of, yes, they're young. Yes, you're probably not looking at them in terms of World Cup qualifiers. But throw them in there. Give them some experience. Add some youthful flavor to the roster. So I think Conor Delafento definitely goes in that same category of these U21 or U20 eligible guys who should probably be in the mix. Yep. Do you have any other guys you're looking at as possible guys for the November camp or in the future in general? For the future in general, I think 
there's so many guys who I feel have been almost forgotten in terms of U.S. soccer who I'm excited to kind of reintroduce themselves and break out. And I'm not really looking at this one for October or November, maybe possibly for the U-20 World Cup. And I'm talking about Brian Reynolds from FC Dallas. And I think Brian Reynolds is very interesting because he was part of the U-17 World Cup in 2017 as a winger. And he was a winger who was playing up in 01 with 2000s. So that means he made it above Uli Lanez, who was actually an alternate for that team. Conrad De La Fuente, Cameron Harper, guys like that. They said, we trust you. You're the guy we're going to send in there. One of only three 01s with Indiana Vasilev and Taylor Booth. And then it almost seemed like he regressed a little bit. He did sign a homegrown early with FC Dallas to avoid him going to Europe. But then we didn't see him with the first team at all. But then when he kind of reemerged, it was as a right back with the academy team. And then we even saw him in a national team camp playing a little bit of center back. So he's a big guy. He's probably around like six foot three. So it seems as though FC Dallas is trying to turn him into a full-fledged defender. And it looks as though he might be the Reggie Cannon replacement if Reggie Cannon goes to Europe. He was on the bench a couple of times last season. He's been on the bench this season. So Brian Reynolds might break out as a next right back out of FC Dallas. The same way Reggie Cannon had to wait a year to start. Maybe that what happens with Brian Reynolds. So I think he's definitely an interesting guy who's playing a completely different position than when he first broke out. So I'd almost just keep an eye on him because he's an athletic guy, has a big frame. So if they turn him to an overlapping six foot three right back, that is absolutely scary. And someone that could definitely be of use. Yeah, that's a good point. Another right back that I'm interested in, and I think he could be someone actually in contention for the October camp, is Kyle Duncan. We talked about him off air a couple times. In the MLS's back tournament, he just looked very solid. You know, I think he's just one of those guys who, again, is very solid. You know, he's just quality going forward, not going to make too many mistakes in the back, can play across in if he needs to be. And he's one of those guys that look at if he was on the left side, everyone would be screaming for us to call him in. But he happens to be on the right side, which we're apparently flushed with death now. So I think he's someone... Hopefully in October, but someone to monitor as well. And I think one other person I think about is Travian Souza, who's playing with Hamburg in the second division of the Bundesliga. And he's yet to make his first team debut officially, an official uh, match. But he played really well for the reserves last year. He moved from Sacramento Republic. And again, we talk about the left back position and how there's not a bunch of depth. He's just another name you can add to the list of guys we hope will break through. And if he ends up getting minutes in the second in two Bundesliga this year, he's someone you have to look at. So he's just someone I'm monitoring to see. Can he break in and what does that break in look like for him? Yeah, you mentioned left backs. We really love left backs on this pod. And I think two guys who we didn't mention who definitely deserve mention. One is Chris Gloucester, another one from PSV who's looking to break into the first team. If he gets his first 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 team appearance, maybe even if he doesn't by November, he's a potential call for November. And then for October, I think another name is Andrew Gutman, the former Herman Trophy winner. Technically still a part of Celtic along with Manny Perez, but who knows if they'll ever play for Celtic. He's currently been starting for Cincinnati, who really haven't been setting the world alight because they're Cincinnati. But he's been a consistent starter for them. He showed in college he likes to get forward. He likes to score goals. He hasn't necessarily been getting as far forward as he did in college in MLS, but he's still a very solid left-back option, who I think could possibly get called to October. Has been called to national team before, but is still looking for his first cap. 
Yeah, actually, that's a pretty good shout. Uh, Andrew Guma, I think he was on the original like 50-man Gold Cup list. So I think Greg Berhalter's definitely had his eye on him in the past. And he's someone we could look at the left-back position. We'd love to bring it up here. This almost could be the left-back podcast. And so, I mean, definitely he's someone to look at. Are there any other players you're looking at? Or can you wrap up here, you think? Yeah, I think it's just exciting. We can talk for an hour about guys who we want to be called up. And I think that's the beauty. There's so many players right now that even if half of them reach their full potential, will be successful. When the 2026 World Cup comes, I want there to be 60 guys who we could call up. I want us to be 10 men deep in each position. You look at a team like France. France has probably 10 or more world-class center backs alone. I'm not saying that's how the U.S. is going to be, but when 2026 rolls around, because I do think 2022 is very early, it's only two years away, I want to have six left backs who I'm thinking I wouldn't mind any of these guys starting. I want to have seven strikers who I would say I wouldn't mind any of these guys starting. I want to have 10 number sixes who I want to drop into the center backs and get the ball. So I'm just very excited to see how each and every one of these guys pans out. We know not all of them will, but there might be some guys. Maybe there's someone who's 17 years old right now who is playing in an academy somewhere. Maybe they're planning on going to college and they're going to break out and we're just going to love it. So I'm very excited for the development of players in this country. Yeah, definitely. Let me ask you real quick. Is Sebastian Berhalter in that list of possible guys who could be the number six? Or are we not going to, we can't bring that up right now. <laughs> All I'm going to say is if you can start an MLS somewhat consistently your first season, why not? I think a lot of people are going to throw in nepotism shouts, but Technically, Sebastian Berhalter has done enough to possibly get an October call up. Don't stone me for that, but he's definitely someone who's going to be in the U20 picture. He is eligible for that. But if he gets the October call up, I think U.S. soccer total would probably explode. But Greg, please do it for the bands and I'll be on board with you and I wouldn't question it. Yeah, Jake Castillo, we saw your tweet. So we're not trying to speak it into existence, but... We're not with you or against you. We'll leave it at that. All right. And then I'll wrap up this episode of the One Goal U.S. Soccer Podcast. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe. And check out our interview with Andrew Carlton from last week. And we'll look forward to next week. Anything else, George? U.S. Soccer is in an exciting time right now. And it's been a pleasure talking about it with you. And I can't wait to keep going.